Welcome to the Director's Commentary Podcast for Heart, The City Beneath. I'm Grant Howitt, and I'm joined by Christopher Taylor, and we wrote the Heart RPG. In these episodes, we'll be going through the text of the book and discussing how we came to design the game. For more information on Heart and our other titles, go to rrdgames.com. Hello, and welcome to the Heart Director's Commentary. My name's Grant Howard, and I'm joined by my good friend Christopher Taylor, and co-author Christopher Taylor. And we wrote a book, What You Have Read. If you have not read the book, I cannot recommend that you listen to this podcast. It will not make a bunch of sense. Yeah, it is It is a hyper-focused podcast. It's a bit like um, when people do like a rewatch of The West Wing and go through the episodes, except it's one book that we wrote, and we don't have any guests. We might have guests. We don't have any guests right now. No, right now it is, it is me and Chris in our respective hot little rooms. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're recording this. But we wanted, um, we wanted to talk a little bit about our design decisions behind why we did what we did to Heart. Uh, how we've developed from Spire, how we've made the world, what sort of characters and choices we've made around that. Because I, I personally really like listening to, to, to... I like hearing how the sausage is made. I mean, you, you buy the Blu-ray for the extras, don't you? Absolutely, yeah. And I presume that's why everybody bought Heart for, for the, the extras. extras. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. They bought it for this free podcast, mm-hmm. so they could they, they could they could listen along. Uh, if you'll if you'll crack open your copy of Heart, or um, I suppose click it open if it's a PDF, you'll uh, you'll see that. Uh, let's start. Let's start together, shall we? On page one. This is not going to be a page by page reading of the book. <laughs> I want to stress that now. We're going to spend about an episode or so. We're not entirely sure on each lump of the book and go through in order. Do you have anything else to raise, Chris? Uh, no, we did try the audiobook version, but it got weird. Yeah, Chris just started reading the text aloud, yeah. and like, he got bored before I stopped finding it funny, which I guess is a win. Yeah, it, it came out well. Yeah. But let's let us let us start analysing this thing that we spent years making. <laughs> about two years yeah. writing, yeah. So, uh, so Heart um, is a game about dungeon crawling. It's a, It uses the resistance system, and Heart started off... Let's talk a bit about how Heart started off, actually, before we get into the book itself. Mm-hmm. We we done Spire, uh, we were doing Strata, and we were thinking, like, what sort of... what could How could we get some money out of role-playing games? What's our next big project? How can we turn this into a nice little earner? Precisely. Our first idea, like a coffee table book length edition of Honey Heist, which is another game that I wrote about bears doing crimes. But we decided that would actually be a lot of work. (laughs) It turned out this was a lot of work, but there was a lot more inherent value in it. Yeah, it felt worthier rather than trying to write the same joke about bears for 150 pages. Mm. Chris had the idea that why don't why we do a dungeon crawl using the resistance system, um, the system which powered Spire, and then things really got out of hand from there. Actually, Chris, what 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 were your original design decisions behind this um, dungeon crawl? One of the things that I quite like is the concept of OSR games. Mm. Not actually playing OSR games. No. That's not anything against them necessarily. It's that mm-hmm. there's a lot of rules in them, and mm. a lot of them are rules first, in that mm. they micromanage your inventory. There's a lot of mm-hmm. small minutiae to track, and there's a lot of a lot of rules. A lot of mm. pages of the book are devoted to it. Mm. And I wanted to see if we could, I mean, generally, I wanted to see if we could make a game that took dungeon crawling and that kind of OSRE feel mm. and slapped our narrative randomness on top of it uh, wishy-washy yeah like the, the fact that anybody can just make up anything at any time and that's fine absolutely yeah i think like osr has has evolved honestly osr has evolved while we've been writing this book oh absolutely um like there's been there's been stuff has happened in the osr field and like they're doing some really interesting things but i think what, the, the way i wrote it i think the way that the way i came to the rules was i was interested in emulating dungeon crawls more than old school renaissance interested in like in like the idea that like this the sort of like the archetypical dungeons and dragons game where you go into a dungeon and fight a big monster because hmm. we've all done it and we all remember it fondly but actually it sucks <laughs> Actually, it's pretty boring. Yeah, and like if you if you play rules as written, then like there's there's an awful lot of, as Chris was saying earlier, just admin of like, how many arrows have I got, how many spells have I got, how much food do we have, do like, do we need to rest here in this in this antechamber? And also, yeah, exactly. Like you're talking about resting is an important point for those sorts of games because you mm. can't have every single room packed to the gunnels with monsters. No. Because not only does that like exhaust your resources as a, as a character. Mm. 
but you've got all those all those real world considerations of like, well, how much noise are you making? Mm. If you're making enough noise, like you're casting fireballs, I think the people through that through that flimsy wooden door are probably going to notice. It's weird, like like it, it doesn't say, oh, and by the way, it makes this much noise. Mm. It could be absolutely silent, which is which is chilling. Yeah, <laughs> come to think of it. Every sword has spells put on it to make them silent. Like that's, that's, mm. that's, I think that's an evil thing to do. Like mm. silencers on pistols. Yeah, not something that the good guys do it because because the good guys are in charge, and mm. so they can make as much noise as they like while they're shooting people. Exactly. Sorry, that's that's spire. Not not hard. <laughs> I need to stash my old cops of bastards for a while and talk about the game. Yes. Chris was working on this on this 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 boiled down system which had blood and mind and equipment as kind of the three things that you could lose. Yeah. We were sort of going through that, and we realised that we couldn't sell it unless we set it in Spire. <laughs> Which is perhaps a bit mercenary, but we'd done a great deal of work around Spire, and I was I was trying to come up with like a, a new and original setting for a dungeon crawl game, and Chris, ever, ever the genius, the inventor of, of travelling cheese, Christopher <laughs> Taylor, so, which, that, that's, that's cheesy we eat on the way back from the fridge to the sofa, yeah. said, hang on a sec, why don't we just set it in the heart? Because the heart already exists. And the heart is not only infinite, but really weird. And we could just go nuts with it. Yeah. And so we decided to start sketching out from there. And we had we had quite a few early drafts as well. Like, can you talk a little bit about how it changed from our first drafts? I mean, part of the problem is that we use iterative design. Yeah, terrible. Uh, which is, if, you, if you're a budding game designer, don't. <laughs> don't do that. Our advice is to do it right first time. Yes, just do it right first time because what we do mm. is we is we basically write a game minus all of the fancy sounding words. Mm. Like we work out the places and we work out the rules and then we go, hmm, that's good. It's not quite right. Throw it away. Mm-hmm. And then we start again. It was slightly easier this time because we had the system that we had to use the resistance system. Yeah, which was honestly a bit strange because mm. normally we build things right from the beginning. This was the third game we've written together. Third so we did a major game. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so we did we did Unbound and we did Spire together before that. We made those from the ground up. Yeah, um, and normally when we do it, we we obviously we build the rules to match the game we want to make. Mm. Um, and in this case, we were changing the rules. Mm. We streamlined some. We straight up just changed parts of the resistance system, much mm. in the way of anybody who's using the resistance toolbox would do. Mm. Uh, the resistance toolbox is our sort of attempt at letting you make resistance games. It, yeah, we definitely want you to. Yeah, it basically, it's basically a document that just says, well, here's some stuff. Good luck. Yeah, we called it a toolbox rather than the system reference document because there's not a good... Like, you can play the 30 age SRD. Yes, it's it is it's a not, complete It's not game. flashy, but you can do it. Yeah, and the, the resistance toolbox is like there's 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 all that there's like here's how dice work, and also write a bunch of classes, I guess. On you go. Yes. Yeah. There's a lot of uh, input you have to do. It was interesting because that's that's the discussion we had with ourselves. Mm-hmm. I think that like we got there and we're like, all right, well, what, what are we gonna what are we gonna change? How are we going to mess with this? I think there's an, there's an element of evolution in this. We want to make it more dangerous. We want to we want we want to give people more capacity to survive, and I suppose we wanted to make, give people more capacity to to take damage. Yeah. So we wanted to make it more dangerous but less lethal. Yes. I think is the way to put it. Like that works. For me. You're going to get stabbed more. Mm. But you're not necessarily going to die from it as much as you would in Spire. Like, getting stabbed in Spire is a massive problem. Spire comes at you fast. Yeah, because it's a more social game mm. um, and it's a more urban game. It's very easy to just run into an alleyway and not be in combat anymore. Absolutely. And you can just teleport in, stab the person you want and leave. And <laughs> never take it. And in theory, as long as you do well in your roles, you can never take any mm. stress. Whereas everything in Heart is a little bit more knockdown, drag out. We took out refreshers as we well. We took out refreshers. If you want to to heal yourself you have to go back unless you've got specific magics etc you have to go back to a haven location Mm-hmm. And we changed the way that you take Fallout um, mm. and the way to combine Fallouts. We sort we sort of spread it out a bit as well because Inspire I, it wasn't intentional, but it sort of ended up that you you ended up not really catching a lot of low level Fallout. Yeah, most of the Fallout you got is mid range because just the way that the the, the mechanics worked. Mm. And we've tweaked it in this so you get a slightly more average spread, I think, of 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 serious and non serious. I mean, you know, non serious is still like you're you're bleeding, but. 
the main reason that we did that, I think, was to get give ourselves a bit more room to manoeuvre. Because Spire is not a game about, say, weapons and fighting. Uh, there's like it's it's a, there's a lot of absolutes. So like um, uh, one of the rules in Spire, uh, one of the, one of my one of my favourite abilities, it's a medium advance for the bound class. And uh, what, as long as you're wearing your gloves, any door that you touch is unlocked and unbarred. Yeah. And Spire can work in those terms. Whereas Heart is this fucking wacky off the wall. There's no particular rules down there. Like, it, like you can have anything you want down there. So having a having a, uh, a a set of gloves or a power, which means that any any door you touch is unlocked and unbarred. Like okay, cool. They have mouths here instead of doors. Yeah, like how are you shutting that? Yeah, and so we had to we had to get a bit more like focus a bit more in terms of like well okay you're inflicting stress on things you're uh, you're you're negating incoming stress mm. which is why we bumped up to a d12 fallout dice which but that gave us a few more numbers to play with it meant that we could have more variation in your abilities rather than like there's only really like two or three kinds of dice which you're going to be rolling inspire for stress and we we have to think we've we've uplisted the full gamut of polyhedrals <laughs> yeah. We still don't really use a D20. No, I can't recommend you roll a D20 at any point in the game. And you were very upset that we we adopted the D4. Look, I think the D4 is an ugly dice, and it should be shunned. It's difficult to pick up. It's just, it's hard it's to It's horrid. You can't, yeah, it's bad. It's a bad experience. Mm. When you compare it to its cousin, the D6, which is a perfect dice. Oh, so so small, so so holdable. Mm, mm, you could just mm, mm, pop it in your mouth. Please don't. The, and the D12, the, the, the D4 is just this, this perverse angular nonsense but just maths wise it feels better than a d3 yeah and i think like like d3 is this is 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 the default civilian damage inspired and so it feels weird to roll a d6 and half it for most of your attacks Mm -hmm. yeah so we we messed with it we we split up and like there was a there was a period where i wanted to take out all numbers from it and Chris, again, very wisely, told me not to do that. Just knock the paper out of your hand. Yeah, we were on a bus at the time. <laughs> you just, no, no, no. And, like, I think my heart was in the right place, but oh, so was yours. Yeah, excellent game design decisions, but also we'd already released the uh, the playtest. <laughs> we, couldn't, we couldn't afford, like, we did, We just got back from Gen Con, and I just advertised this, and you can't be like, girl, we can't change it now. Yeah. Like, I don't care how the playtest went, we can't. Yeah, we were not long till Kickstarter. No, we were three months off. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to remove all numbers from the game. Not a good idea. They're a crutch. They are. Right, should we actually look at the book? Now? Yeah. Let's yeah, look at the book. Safety tools. Yeah, that's a good that's a real good idea in heart. Like mm. that's you'll note that that's the third paragraph. Yeah. It seems a bit weird putting them in the in the GM section. You want them really early because it makes everybody yeah. read them. Yeah. Like even if even if you've got people who skip over the introduction, they're still gonna see yeah. like that early in the book. Safety tools. Oh, yeah. that might be useful. Things like I know safety tools in games. I believe that I can I can run a game safely. I can see safety tools and go, all right, cool, and sk- and, and just skim it. Yeah, because it's not going to tell me anything I don't know. And maybe it will. That's fine, but. I, I can run a game safely and we felt that it was really important to get right out of the way and say hey this is going to be really weird we, we weren't like we did it with Spire but we weren't quite so upfront about it but like this is going to be this is potentially going to be a very upsetting game there's going to be body horror here there's going to be grossness there's going to be desperation and um, madness it's not a nice game it's a fun game not a nice one yeah there's definitely joy there and I think like in Spire Spire is a horrible city but they but it's about finding that joy and about finding that comfort and I yeah. think the same in high too uh, but yeah we recommend like in any game play with an x card because that means it just gives you a safety word also i think it's i think it's important to call out that we also do quite extensive concept warnings like on the fir- very first page like where our we names do, yeah. are yeah it was it was it was hard to write those honestly yeah. So, so the 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 uh, the content warnings we have is these include but not limited to violence, drug use, addiction, ghosts, unwanted bodily transformation, and monsters that used to be people. We can assure you there is no rape or sexual assault in this game. That's important for me. Certainly, I don't I don't think that's a uh, it's not a thing I'm interested in telling stories about. But it's really hard to do content warnings without sounding like a fucking edge lord. Or indeed, just literally listing the book in yeah. some cases. Like if you're doing a yeah. horror game, like going through and going, well, this monster does this weird thing. I've got to list that. Yeah. And it's like, it's like that's, that's so specific. Yeah, and it's difficult yeah. like to, to balance it between essentially giving out spoilers mm. and and taking up a page. Yeah. Um, but also try and convey exactly what is in the book so that people can who who do suffer can mm. avoid bits. Mm. Hopefully we think that we've like we've got the safety tools in front, we've got the content warning in front, and like we want to try and make everything available for people so so they can play safe mm-hmm. in the game. It's not like cult bad. No. You know, like I, I can't think of a group I'd, I'd actually want to play cult with for, for reasons quite beside the rule set. It's just like, like the tone. 
That's oh, right. that game I was really I weird. I don't like Powered by the Apocalypse either. That's the other thing, yeah. Got the news. But yeah, um, we go through, and then we. This is something something which we put in later on on um, page three. There's a word from Chris and Grant here. Yeah, this is a weird bit of the book. Like, it, it's different yeah. in tone to everything else, but I'm super glad it's in there. The one thing I regret is there isn't a picture of us, uh, like, drawn by Felix looking like heart weirdos. Like, oh, like, like, like speaking directly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> One of the things which we wanted to, which kind of happened organically with Heart, but we led into it, and so it became less organic, is that Heart Heart runs like a role-playing game. The world runs like a role-playing game, in that the world only really exists because protagonists go into it. Yeah. And we decided to lean hard into that, and that's that is, that is in fiction what happens as well. So when you go into the Heart, the Heart forms itself around you, and it, it gives you what you want. And we wanted to make that really clear, that hey, like, there's no canon, you don't need to worry about this, you don't need to, like, you don't need to Turn up on the forums and be like, "Hey, uh, uh, actually, what's the what's the deal with the pubs there? Like, um, I saw there's a contradiction. No, okay, we we got it wrong. There's a contradiction. It's okay. Just make it up." There are also like several in, not intentional contradictions, but contradictions that we noticed as we were writing and went, "Yeah, that's fine." Yeah, all right. Yeah, you know, there's a level of contradiction which we want to keep. Yes, like we preserved that. There's two forms of en- of enjoying a game. Like there's reading a game and sitting down and reading the book and sort of absorbing it and imagining the world, you imagining the world on your own. And then there's the play. Yeah. And the play is there's so many filters between us and the players that canon is really hard to maintain. Yeah, unless you go encyclopedic. Mm. As evidenced by that time, we tried to play Star Wars. Yes. We're not allowed to play Star Wars anymore. There's a ban. Uh-uh. Yep, apparently droids don't do that. No. <laughs> right, so, it's you, remember you, you, you tried to meet a sexy lady R2-D2 and I'm quoting you on that one. <laughs> yes. Yep, I did. <laughs> I stole a land speeder. It was great. Yep, we were problem droids. Yeah, we're problem players, mate. Yeah, but there's there's a uh, there's like yeah, Chris and I are not. Um, we we write a good game. I'm not sure whether we play a good game. <laughs> Damn. We play the most exciting game on the block. We have fun, <laughs> but I'm not sure about the other players. The, the game happens fast, and everybody must keep up. Absolutely. Let's talk about the world of heart and what what the heart is yeah it's a it's an odd one honestly mm. so we don't we don't know no we don't know from looking from the perspective of a character inspire mm. the heart is a bad place you don't go mm-hmm. um it's essentially like if you're looking at like post-apocalyptic games it's like a rad zone mm. you know it's it's an incredibly dangerous area that's Generally speaking, too dangerous for you. Yeah. Um, that the GM can use to go. Well, it's magic, isn't it? Yeah. Weird stuff come out of it. Yeah. It's it's where the blood witches go. Um, you can yeah. do all sorts of weird it's, stuff. It's, with it. it's why the Vermissians all fucky. Yeah. And then we were like, well, let's just set it inside the rad zone. <laughs> <laughs> let's have let's have people as weird as the place. Let's just gloss over that. The fact that it kills you. Sorry. Let's just make a game about the fact that it kills you. Yeah. Um, and it's a it's a it's a place that isn't constant yeah it isn't it, it isn't solid and real like like the world is it changes and it mutates and the heart fashions it into into shapes for people mm. um, and it learns it has a sort of rudimentary ai essentially yeah and it, it learns what people want and what they like and like god i can't even remember do we still have blanks in high rise no we got rid of those okay so one of the things blanks <laughs> one of the things we had which we'll talk about length in high rise then called blanks mm. which were proto drow yeah like copies of people yeah. Facsimiles. And it was, it was the heart learning how people were by mm. and learning by doing. So it was making mm. people. Um, and they were just going through daily routines. And yeah, it just fashions whatever it thinks people need. It's, mm. it's very nice about it. We've got, we've got in the in the Amenable Eschaton, which I, I, will, I will also say Amenable Eschaton, Inquisitive God Cocoon, and Xenocronus. Would you like me to say it? Please. Because I made these titles because I love the, word, the way the words mm-hmm. sound. It's Amenable mm-hmm. Eschaton, Inquisitive mm-hmm. God Cocoon, God cocoon and xenochronistic mm-hmm. terraformer. We had to push. The, we had to push so hard to get those past Mary. Uh, yeah, just I'm keeping those. And like, absolutely fair. Mary was like, "But those are stupid titles. I shouldn't be in the book." <laughs> yeah, we we know it's okay. Yeah, it's I just love the way the words sound. <laughs> and much like we didn't know what Spire was, and we don't know, we don't know what the heart is. We want to provide you with a bunch of different things. I think we've got our own theories. Like I. I like to think that it's... I go for Amenable Eschaton, and I think Chris goes for God Cocoon. Yeah, there's, there's the basics. I, I really like the idea that it's like it's it's trying to... It's trying to make another reality out of meat and teeth and rock. 
yeah. and it's slow and it's like I think the oh there was a thread on Twitter this is going to date this a bit there was a thread on Twitter talking about like what are the three pieces of media which has most most influenced you as a as a creator of role playing games and I don't think I give enough credence to Red Dwarf because <laughs> I oh, I loved that show growing yeah, up and like, it's and, like I I joined it about season season four so they were getting pretty wild and wacky with the different planets they were going to and stuff but the fact that the thing about Red Dwarf is that everyone sucks. Yeah. Like, no one really displays competency at any given point. And I really like that. It's something which I try to put into all of our games is that, like, even the heart itself is just doing its best. It doesn't know what it's doing. Yeah. And, like, it, it didn't get the memo. And, like, one of the nice things about, about Red Dwarf, and, like, honestly, mm. I think this shows through in all of our games, is mm. that there will be these shining moments where somebody will display extreme hyper competency, <laughs> but only. If they're doing it for a bet and are drunk, absolutely, yeah. And it's just like you have to be crap. We, to we do wrote really the Spire well. class about that. Yeah, exactly. It's the, the night. Yeah, God, yeah. The night's just Lister. Come to think of it, isn't yeah, it? it's just it's literally okay. just Lister. If yeah, um, the uh, Red Dwarf is a. If you haven't watched it, I'd be impressed, honestly. Given that you're listening to this podcast, but it's, uh, <laughs> there's, a, there's a phrase for like American dramas going around called competence porn, right. where people people are really good at their jobs. Everything's really slick, and it all happens. And this is incompetence porn. Yeah. This is this is complete idiots who shouldn't be here. This is much hotter. And like yeah, and like not necessarily like loathsome people. No, like they're all right. They're all basically. It's, it's not like 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 they're all flawed, but they're all basically okay. Like even Rimmer means well half the time, you know. Which is that's my problem with it's always sunny in Philadelphia. They're, they're horrible people. Oh yeah. And like Rimmer, Rimmer's a what's the phrase? Gimboid, I believe, is the one they use in the show. But he's he's a petty, horrid little guy. But he's not bad. He's not evil. No. Anyway, we're getting, we're, get, we're really getting off topic. We are. What whatever the heart is to you, that's what it is for your game. And I would recommend that you don't pick. Yeah. Or you kind of suggest that it's all of them, even the alternatively yeah. ones in the box, because that was a mm. place where we could get in, not a place of honor. Absolutely. Which is my favourite thing. I think it's a good thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm ranking that alongside Red Dwarf as far as, as things that have inspired. Me. If you if you don't know, not a place of honour. Do do Google it and read up. It's a very yeah. very generally very important thing. Yeah, this uh, this place is not a place of honour. Google it. Ninety nine percent invisible explains it better than we can, yeah. and it's really it's really cool. Anyway, yeah, resistances. We have them at the core of the resistance system. Believe it or not, is resistances. Who to thunk? The deal with a resistance system is that you lose, uh, sorry, you don't lose anything. You accrue stress in your resistances. And these are, so like, rather than having, say, hit points in Dungeons and Dragons and money, um, which you spend, and, uh, or like sanity in Call of Cthulhu, we put everything in the same system. And the core idea is that you can, like, uh, my favourite thing about the resistance system is you can only go downhill from here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And like one of the neat things is that everything, everything in the game can have resistances. Yeah, uh, you can chart progress by res- by the way and rate resistances lost, whether it's on a player or mm. NPC or action. Like building a house could have resistance. Mm. You can you can set it all up that way. We can talk about the delve rules and stuff later on. When we yeah, get to those actually because yeah. that was that was one of the biggest things we changed during playtesting. Yes, as we realised the rules we had weren't very good. They took too long and weren't fun. It was the longest part yes. of the game and the worst. <laughs> so it really had to My- go. God, I'm glad we caught mm. that. Jesus Christ. So resistances. Yeah, the five resistances we have are blood which is physical exhaustion, pain, blood loss and injury, so getting hurt, which is an important thing in dungeon crawls. Getting knocked about. Mind, which is madness, mm-hmm. because that interests us in our games, I think. Supplies, which is obviously for dungeon crawls, and like Spire didn't matter so much, it's more about money, this is about more, more what you've got on you rather than your, your line of credit. And the and weirdly, the one of the wooliest resistances. Oh, oh god, yes, a nightmare to run, I can't recommend it. <laughs> Fortune, which is not money, no, but is is outside bad luck, Incompetence and overconfidence. It's but it's it's uh, outside forces conspiring against you. In Inspire, we had uh, reputation and shadow. Yeah, just like how far your friends and the police uh, have put up with your shit, and we sort of rolled that into fortune. Yeah, in this case, it's how long luck has put up with your shit. Mm. And then finally, we have Echo, which is special. Yeah, Echo is uniquely hard. Mm. What is Echo, Chris? Echo is the effect of the heart upon you. Mm. The fact that the heart is constantly in flux means that the people within the heart, to a degree, are constantly in flux. Mm. And they're they're being the word the word I think I'm searching for is degraded over time. 
They're being abraded yeah. by the heart. Yeah, it's weird because like, we 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 want we want to get uh, we want to get away from the ideas of like corruption and mutation and degrading and and, and degradation. Yeah. Degrading in that like we didn't want to have like oh the the human form is perfect and then we are lessening it by having this corruption. Yes, the exactly. Just, the heart is just different, and so like we use I think we use words like um, changed or twisted or manipulated rather than oh your body's worse now. However, it's generally not good. Yeah. What echo loss represents presents is you getting you getting closer to that final like twist of the mind knife essentially mm. like the heart seeping in and you changing with it so echo fallout can can do all sorts of weird things like suddenly you've got mm. more eyes congratulations that's where the body horror comes in but we also have it as it's sort of it's just unreal energy mm. as echo fallout you meet someone who died yeah and it's not made it's not made expressly clear whether that's them or whether that's a copy of them the heart made or whether you're just dreaming yeah i mean the the point is um from the perspective of the character it doesn't matter what the mm. truth is they yeah. are still meeting somebody they know that's dead whatever the most tragic thing is that's true in in the heart dreaming or the fact that it's a copy or the fact that it's the real them mm. are all interchangeable yeah. like then one is no less real than the other and so yeah echo was a challenge it was an interesting one to write and i think it has my favorite critical fallout and we'll get to fallouts later on my mm. favorite critical fallout is burst <laughs> where you you become so full of inverted commas energy that you pop like an overripe fruit in the microwave. Oh, delicious! Nice warm bit of watermelon. Mm. So yeah, those are the resistances. That's what powers the game. The other thing which powers the game is skills and domains. How you do and where you do it. Yeah, and for Spire, this was a bit of a challenge writing these ones actually because for Spire it felt very clear in terms of like the domains were different parts of the city. Yeah, and this was much more like, okay, what are our domains? What are we going to do? How are we gonna how are we gonna power this? The way in which games work is that you have innate abilities and learned abilities, and then you add those together to see how good you are at a certain thing. So I am innately very strong, and I've learned how to lift things, so I'm better at lifting. Both of those are lies, by the way. I'm <laughs> bad at both of those things, and, and don't enjoy them. Oh, I hate them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got I've got I've got the the live body of a freelance writer. Whereas with this, we wanted to have it as a skill that you're trained at. And it's like screen time, the domain, I think. Yeah, so the, the real core of a domain is what you know. And mm. one, of the, we didn't want to make a distinction between the fact that you'd learned a lot of facts in books mm. and the fact that you're a little ragamuffin on the streets all your life, so you know, all, you, you, you know the layout of the streets and who to talk to. Mm. So domains came out of that. And as you, as you use the word spotlight, like when you are in a domain that matches one of your domains, it is your time to shine. Mm. You are just straight better at things than anybody else. And that that really makes sense. Like in terms of, I think, like in terms of Spire, it was quite good because we had quite disparate characters, like doing doing different things. Mm-hmm. And so having the having the academic domain or academia domain meant that you were one dice better when you when you were in a university than anyone who didn't have that. Yeah, and like the, the interesting thing is that it applies to every every role. Absolutely. So that academic is incredibly good at fighting mm-hmm. in an academic situation, even if they they're, they're generally terrible at combat. You can explain that as like, oh, I'm parrying with books or some sort of whimsical bullshit, or it's just fine. Okay, this is what this is what they're about. This is my turf. Mm-hmm. And I think that I think that like like we've doubled down on that with domains as well, because like domains are all tied to places. Yeah, yeah, like much more so in Heart than they were in Spire, because like Spire we had like crime, which is kind of loose yeah so inspire them some people have um an issue especially with high and low society Mm. about like where do i draw that the line Mm -hmm. high society is meant to be the very top echelons and low society Mm -hmm. the very bottom and a lot of people sort of go well the drow are low society and the alpha are high Mm -hmm. so i can use it low society for everything and and you know what sure why not why not eh? yeah whatever wasn't necessarily designed like that but i literally Mm. don't care like it's fun yeah but the important thing to remember about domain is it's not just when you are in that domain no it is about when you are dealing with something from that domain if you have a priest who's lost in a forest and you want to talk to them you can use religion Mm. you can use religion to interface with them it's more about what you can persuade the gm to pick up that's every rule in a role-playing game yeah it's just it's woollier to give you a better argument in these games Mm. the skills as well i have kind of an obsession with making skills not edgy but nearly there <laughs> in that we have hunt kill sneak mend evade. and it's not evade 
and like I tried to be as, as Anglo-Saxon and monosyllabic as possible. We do like one-word mono, mono things, syllabic. don't we? Yeah, oh, I, I fucking love one-word things. Like I, I, I don't think like I really don't like giving my games more than one-word names. Yeah, like, I push to have the skills as brisk as possible. Yeah, and like they broadly cover everything you can do. Like we've got delve in here. Like uh, Spy didn't have a. Um, traversal skill no um and we've got one now but really if you're rolling it's not uh, it's, it's something like it's not like D where it's like oh it's an athletics check to cross that wall right, what's gonna go wrong when you're crossing the wall is it interesting if it isn't interesting i don't give a shit you cross the wall it doesn't matter we shouldn't even be talking about this if you want to get across the wall and not be seen it's mm-hmm. sneak if you want to yeah. get across the wall and attack somebody, it's kill. Precisely. Oh, like I, I, you've, you've got evade as well. Like, and much like the domains, there's a lot of there's a lot of um, crossing over. Yeah, absolutely. Trying to argue what's going on in each situation. Yeah. But it like it actually doesn't hugely matter. No. And I think much like Fate Accelerated, um, which I which I which I really rate. I think that it's a bit fuzzy in play. But Fate Accelerated has a series of approaches, and so you do things flashily or strongly or bravely or stylishly. You just do whatever you do in that way, and so all that does is it, it themes your descriptions of your actions. Yeah. And that's kind of I'd much rather have people tell a cool story about strong characters than like oh I don't climb over the wall. Yeah. And I think I think we should call out one really specific skill here okay which is kill mm. widely understood to be the most powerful skill it's in the not, game it's not delves the most powerful skill you idiots yeah technically delve is um but <laughs> but crucially because they're like oh well if i'm attacking somebody i'm using kill are you mm. really i've had vermissian knights in my game that did 90 percent of their combat with endure mm-hmm. because they just took it and the point is that you can get crazy with it kill at the very core of kill kill is the ability to choke somebody out while looking them in the mm-hmm. eyes mm-hmm. it is that mental fortitude like in delta green it would be the fact that you're hardened to violence mm-hmm. if you've played that kill is you are you are capable and willing to murder. Mm, you're good at it. You're good at murder. You can use a lot of other skills to kill people. You can sneak to kill. You can, mm. you know, sneak a cult to sneak into a ritual and kill somebody. The thing which gets me is like, um, uh, some people say, well, this, this, this is weird. Like, why doesn't everyone have kill? It's like, well, that's not, it's actually not what the game's about. It's like, like, mm. like if you want to go and kill things and like, you want to make a team, like, it's not quite like D&D. The default role is going to go, is, is going to go beat up some goblins. If you, if everyone picks kill, it's a really clear indication that, yeah, they want to go kill shit and that's okay. but one thing which we're really keen on doing there's no bad choices to make yeah and like we don't necessarily want to like have people build one of the things about um fourth ed D&D, which got me, was like, you were expected to build a powerful character. You are expect like, that was part of the game. Yes. And that's something we want to avoid here. Like, you can have a completely suboptimal character in mechanical terms, and it functions just as well, because our rules are so fucking woolly, they doesn't matter. But yeah, you don't just need to kill people with kill. If, if a fight breaks out, it's not just kill all day. Yeah. You can, you can change that up. And like, you want, you want, to, you want to assassinate somebody? You want to kill them with mend. <laughs> Wait until they've got in a brawl. Say you'll patch up their wounds, make a mend check. <laughs> That'll kill him. Why not? I go for it. I, mean, I, I perfectly accept that in my game. Does not matter. I would also like. I'd like to on page eight. Uh, Mina did a tremendous page on rules in brief, uh, where she where she laid clear. everything out. Oh, that's brilliant. Because, like, I mean, to be honest with you, I, I struggle to remember the rules sometimes. It's not a very complex system. I I have to keep the success and failure table open all the time. Can we talk about remove dice for difficulty? Because we changed it. We can. Yeah. I don't wanna, but we can. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Grant, this time? Yeah. So, Inspire, if an action is difficult, you take out one or two dice from the pool before you roll them. Yes, so you're rolling less dice. It never felt good. No, always felt bad. I also always forgot to do it. <laughs> yes, actually. It just never it never struck me as something which like, it didn't feel good. And so we bought in a much harsher difficulty system into heart. Oh, it's brutal. It's crushing. And if something's risky, you remove, you remove the highest dice rolled, and dangerous, you remove the two highest dice rolled. Which makes success almost fucking impossible. Yeah, like, against dangerous you're elements. rolling, like, two to four dice. Mm-hmm. Like, four dice if you are the best yeah. at that. And removing the two highest rolled numbers means that what you really want is at least three nines to succeed. Which is yeah. a fairly slim chance. Yeah. And, like, there's various ways you can work around difficulty. And, like, part of the game is that you get good and excellent quality equipment. 
Yep. Which means that that, that negates difficulty. There's also certain classes which allow you to remove difficulties and certain abilities. For different lengths of times or against different things. Um, and yeah. specifically, I think we should call out a place where I think it's best explained is in the ghost section. Mm. Um, where, like, ghosts are, are dangerous. You remove the high, two highest dice. Are they? Oh, well, they're, they're difficult. They're, they're, they're problematic. Okay. All right, okay. Um, and you can completely overcome all of their problems mm. by doing story stuff. Yeah. And that, sh- that should be the case with everything that's got mm. risky or dangerous. If you've got exactly the right tool for the job, knock it down. Mm-hmm. Just get rid of it. Yeah. And when you roll a dice, and like, so you always you have to tell players before, and you can't surprise them with difficulty. Yeah. But there's something really great about saying, "Hey, this is a this is a risky chance. So I'm going to take your highest dice." And the player rolls it, you reach over and take that ten. Yeah. And it's like it's this real moment of, "Oh, fuck you." Like it is a harsher system, but it feels better at the table. Mm, like, I think so. Even yeah. even as a player, like it affecting you the, the the most heavily, having those dice removed is a better experience mm. than not rolling as many dice. And also, like the fun part of games is when things go wrong. Yeah, like oh a ten. Oh, I don't get to keep that, do I? Mm. Oh, sorry. That's not strictly true. I think the fun part of games when things go wrong isn't... I think we've all been in games where we've tried to do things and it hasn't worked. Mm. And that can be quite frustrating. And I think that the challenge is when things go wrong and then nothing happens. There's a difference between things go wrong and fail. Yeah, like we're big into failing forward Yeah, in, in this neck of the woods. Like if, you, if, if you turn on the lights and the lights don't turn on, that's boring. If you mm. turn on the lights and the bulb explodes... That's at least exciting. You turn on the lights and then you're surrounded by armed men. <laughs> you turn on the lights Great. and you're Great. in a forest. Brilliant. Right. It's a problem. It's a bigger problem than the lights not turning on, but it's you more interesting. You turn on the lights, the light bulb shoots out of the socket and down into your throat, choking you. <laughs> but now you talk in light. Ooh. Let's talk about the characters. Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk about the, the different uh, ancestries. Yep. And then I think we're going to stop for this episode. We are. We're going to do callings next time. Yeah, we're going to callings. And we, and we get into the get into the juicy meat of the classes after that. Juicy, juicy. So juicy. Talk to me of Drow, Grant. So Drow are the protagonists of Spire. And I think Drow are carrying the most over from Spire uh, of, of all the different people you can be. Like, there's four different classes you can be. It's four different um, races you can be, or ancestries. And we were super keen on them not having mechanics oh yeah you've got a lot of problems when yeah. you start putting mechanics on that yeah get you some like... female characters with minus four strength <laughs> yeah it's like it doesn't necessarily help stories i think that there's always going to be like non-mechanical ways in which people react to characters of certain ancestries yeah and one of the things which we wanted to make clear in heart is that really people don't give a shit about your race or your ancestry down here inspire who you were and where you came from was huge mm. if you weren't an elfair you were just nobody because they're massive shiny racists mm. but down here like the the literal world is so shit that nobody nobody has that kind of hate mm. like you're you're kind of willing to rely on anyone and give anybody a chance mm. in a world as difficult as heart is so that's why yeah. we allow we finally allow Elphir as playable characters yeah when all of those all those little pocket nazis were asking to play uh, <laughs> the spy is great but could i play the oppressor no can I, can I play some fascists please they're very good looking yeah we know they are drow were always going to be in the game because drow make up the majority of the population aspire and i really i like what we've done with drow Mm. I like how they feel like people and how they're from somewhere else, which is which is which is far away. I, I like to imagine that like most of the Drow inspired don't really know, like haven't been to the home nations and probably wouldn't understand it if you came and spoke to them in one of the in one of the, the regional dialects. Yeah, like they're they're from Spire. Like they've been they've been in Spire for generations. But they've got this they've got this sort of this idea of that there's that there's there's the home nations which they and they're fleeing from these from the, from these wars as well. And so there's there's a level of like well we're gonna we're gonna make the best of this and we're gonna try well, Spire a different story anyway yeah. but one of the one of the important things in the characters the ancestries is we realized we didn't have enough words <laughs> we wrote i can't we wrote, believe you told them that we wrote about two paragraphs for each race uh for each ancestry and i was like you know what? i don't want to i don't want to like i don't want to put too much on ancestry i just want people to play whatever they want to play that's fine yeah and then Chris and Mary came up and they were like, hey, so, noble noble aims and everything, but these these are quarter page pictures of art and we need to fill a page. Yeah, so we need three quarters of a page of text. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> come up with something, Grunt. Yeah, just bang out a table. Yeah, and so so, so, so we had the, qu- 
questions. So like each each one of the ancestries has 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 uh, you pick one of the one of the questions, which gives you an idea of your history. And then there's also the d20 table. So here's where you can roll a d20. No, oh, that's it. You've got to get in there. Yeah, thanks. We've, we've like uh, we've got to pay the Gygax tax. You roll twice, and you have some little things, and they just sort of they just talk about where you're from and, and, and what you've done. I mean, what it is is a list of fifteen jokes and five sensible ones. Absolutely, and I, like, I'm not saying that in a negative way at all. Like, no, no, these no, are I'll great. Sense, yeah, but I mean, like when you start with a friendly but stupid pocket mouse, not to mention a picture of your dad's biggest cow. <laughs> yes, <laughs> oh, largest and the hand drawn image of your dad's Sorry. largest pig. Largest pig, yeah. Like, that's great. That for me is it's like, oh I've got that character. Let's yeah. let's let's get him a spade, you know? And like I think I think Drow ha- Drow the Drow table has the fewest jokes. Which is impressive. Yeah. The elf here have the absolute most jokes. Anyway, humans. Talk to me about humans, Christopher. Humans are uh, I love I love humans. I, I generally tend to play humans in most fantasy games. Mm. Because they're boring. Yeah. And in a fantasy world where there there are dragons and storm giants and things, mm. I quite like the boring character in there. I think it's interesting. Yeah. It, it gives you it gives you a useful in as well. Yeah. The standard thing of fantasy games with humans is versatility and pride. And lots of them. And lots of them, right? Like mm-hmm. if they get bonuses, it's about either versatility or pride or whatever. Mm-hmm. Humans, they really like digging. Yeah, our humans are gnomes. Give or take. What they really like is learning Mm. and working stuff out. Mm. So they, they go... They like they, they're some of the the preeminent delvers of the world because they've mm. gone into archaeologies, they've brought back things and then retro engineered them to work out how gunpowder works. So like mm. the fact that everybody's now armed to the teeth with revolvers <laughs> is because humans went this is cool as hell. I I, I like 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 humans are the standard because like the reason why everyone's armed to the teeth with revolvers is because we thought it was cool. Yeah, and we're like, well, we need a reason. We need an excuse yeah. to put this in. Yeah, why not? And so humans humans fit really nicely into heart because mm. they're inquisitive. Mm. They're willing to go through horrible hardships for a buck. Mm. And they can take it. Like they're not they're not this fragile race like they're depicted in a lot of other things. No, we don't we don't really have fragile. We've got I think the closest we've got to fragile is Elfu. Yes, but even then, like they can they they, they can withstand wrist lengthening surgeries. Mm. Like increasingly as we've as we've moved to like where we have a we have a Discord, which you're probably part of if you're listening to this podcast. Chances are high. Um yeah, chances are high. We have we have a Discord uh, with uh, where we like talk where and we, we we try to we try to be as active as we can on it and like answer rules questions and answer fluff questions and stuff and sort of encourage people to make stuff because like part of the fun of Spire and Heart is your own Spire and Heart. One of the things which I've had to be really careful about is making throwaway comments mm. about stuff that barely exists. People are like, oh, hang on a second, what's that? I'm like, no, it's just a throwaway comment, mate. Don't worry about it. I literally just made it up while I was typing. Yeah, so I'm quite happy that I got to put in a Grail charm made of Wyvern bone, <laughs> which says that hey, Wyverns exist. Yep. And then, but no more about this. And now there aren't stats. There's Wyvern, there's Wyvern somewhere, or there's someone who, who who claims this is Wivenbone, which I think is probably more accurate. <laughs> Either that, or it's his best mate, whose name mm. is Wiven. Oh, okay, that works. Yeah, his, his finger come off. Yeah. Uh, real, real briefly, before we move on to Elphir, um, number 19, pop arcana book about humanity's ability to ascend to godhood and how you can do it. That's wonderful. Thank you. And also, like, actually correctly referential part of the canon we have is all human gods were humans and they they, they die and they walk this 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 sort of this this bleak road called the grail road which is basically that thing was film but with knights in it and at the end you become a god but no one really reaches the end yeah everybody everybody gives up i just i quite like the idea that they're writing self-help book, self-help books about ascension well, it's self-help books about how to handle heaven. Yeah. And the, again, that level of everyone's a bit shit. Mm. Like Conan the Barbarian isn't reading a self-help book. No. But this isn't a book of, this isn't a book about Conan the Barbarian. This is the, like everyone's a fucking rogue. Everyone's trying to get a, a leg up, as it were. Yeah, not over. Up. Yeah. Yeah, not over. We don't, we, I mean, no, listen, we encourage you if, you if you want to get legs over in the game, that's fine, but we don't really have rules for it. Yeah. Now, Grant, can you tell me about Elphir? And mm. in this case, because this is a follow-along director's commentary, with special reference to the art in this one. <laughs> So this Elphir has one leg and two masks. Three masks, actually. Uh, and the masks are an interesting point because Elphir don't take their masks off in public or even sometimes in private mm-hmm. uh, upstairs in Spire. And like, we made a big deal of that. Huge deal about that. Much like the revolvers, I think masks are cool. Mm-hmm. 
uh, and then and then we just sort of went from there. And like and like traditionally, masks are something which the subjugated people wear, I believe, more so than the subjugators. But hey ho, I thought I, I thought I thought it was interesting to have it as as like oh we're going to hide our faces so like so like we're so pretty you can't even look upon us. But also, it makes it a lot easier to infiltrate if everybody wears masks as standard. Absolutely, yeah. It's, it it, it, mean, it means every ball is a masked ball. Yeah. So the the, the elfier here is 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 carrying two of their masks, and so like yeah, fictionally, the elfier have have a their true mask, which is kind of their their one mask, which identifies them. And then they have other masks which they wear for fashionable purposes. And their true mask will always be on their person. And this dude doesn't have his mask on anymore. And that and that matters a lot in the game. They're just kind of fun. Yeah. yeah. I, I I think it's I think it's really interesting that that like the the iconic Elphir, as it were. Mm. And indeed some of the um the iconic classes are Elphir as well. We, yeah, we were super keen to have it as like you can play an Elphir, you can play that, but they're not like they are upstairs. Like literally the cutest piece of art in the book. Features oh, on Elphir, yeah. which you must have seen it if you've gone through the book at all. The Vermissian Knight with that wee girl on his back. Mm. It's, that's an Elphir. Now, I will say, the reason why the Vermissian Knight is an Elphir is he was a human. Mm-hmm. Felix lengthened the ears because we figured we had too many humans in. Mm-hmm. And then he, he, colour, he coloured him in drow colours and it was like, oh, that doesn't quite work. So he's an Elphir now. Yeah, but it turned <laughs> out to be like one of, accidentally one of the best things. Yeah, because there's a really interesting story there. Yeah, um, and also, there's, there's talking about interesting stories, there's an interesting story mm. as to why that Helen Elphir is in the heart. Mm. Not necessarily, like, sure, they pop down occasionally for, you know, an orgy or whatever, mm-hmm. I'm sure. But, like, mm. living down here, yeah. long enough to, to uh, with this art, lose a leg and keep going. So, yeah, one of the one of the questions is, your family name is ruined due to a cataclysmic social faux pas. What did they do? I uh, used the wrong knife at dinner. To the heart oh, yeah. with thee! <laughs> Out! And, yeah, I think we wanted to reflect that there's, that, like, there's, that I think the Elphir are some of the most tragic characters. Mm. Uh, because something's gone dramatically wrong for you oh, yeah. if you're down here. Or you have made a very serious uh, choice. Yeah. I really like their trinkets. Mm. The best one, I'm the, the one I'm, I'm as proudest of, is patchy evidence regarding your stepsister's betrayal. I always quite like the flensing knife you got for your fifth birthday. <laughs> It's always nice to use the word flinching. It is, but also the fact that it was your fifth birthday, I think, is important. Yeah, well, I mean, you don't want to give that to a four-year-old. They could take a finger exactly. off. Exactly. At five, they know they need to use it on somebody else. I always wanted to I wanted to give every ancestry a pet yeah. that they could have, because they're, they're humanizing. And I think like one of the challenges we face is that as you go into the heart and you get more and more dehumanized, you, get, like, you change and you warp and you shift, it's quite hard to hang on to that. And it's also like I think people's a lot of people have the have the instinct like oh I'm going to make a really weird character oh I'm a bundle of spheres in a sack <laughs> and I'm not affected by the weird it's like no we want you to be as human as you can so the weird's weird yeah but they're still elfier so the two pets you can get are a dead cat or a tree <laughs> so they're a bit weird um, they're a bit weird yeah. <laughs> a bad tree you carry around with you <laughs> <laughs> admittedly. The next ancestry, one of the things you can have is a warm, leathery egg. Mm, yes, gnolls. I'm so glad we put gnolls in. Talk to me about gnolls. So gnolls are the ancestry that's currently at war with the Elphir of Spire. Mm. And they fight the drow mainly because the Elphir are assholes mm-hmm. and use conscri- conscripted soldiers most of the time. So a lot of the gnolls that are here are either prisoners of war who have escaped and fled down, just basically away from the Elphir. Uh, people who were like here for... What's the word? Clandestine reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, spies. Spies, yeah. that sort of thing. Or crucially, Knolls come to the heart because it's interesting. Yeah, it's kind of tourism. <laughs> tourism's the wrong word, necessarily. No, it's, like, yeah, it's like... Uh, expeditions. It's like going to London for the British Library. Mm. Right? Like, there's certain things you can access there that you can't access anywhere else. Even in other libraries of similar size. Mm. They, they have this book that exists here and you need the original. That That's a lot of what the heart is. There's a lot of weird magical power here, which the Knolls are super into. So initially when we wrote Knolls, uh, we had them as really standard. Yeah. Uh, this was back when, so like, well, actually one of the first things I wrote for Spire was the Knoll who ran the fighting pit in uh, Mother Moon. Mother Moon, Who yeah. runs the fighting pit uh, in Red Row. And I had her as this sort of fucking nightmarish demonologist creature because traditionally uh, Knolls, high-in-headed people, uh, worship the demon... 
Yugoloth. That's the one, Yugoloth. A, a, a sort of demon god, and they're all horrible all the time. And I think that's unfair. I think that uh, I think that hyenas are absolutely gorgeous. And why shouldn't you replace the top half of a person with one? What's quite nice about the gnolls is that we kept that entirely. But and it's propaganda. But it's completely propaganda. <laughs> it's just yeah. it's just what the elfair say about them. Mm. Yes, all of this is true. It's not. Yeah. They're all degenerate demon worshippers, and like and, and they'd, they'd rather eat a horse than ride it. Yes, and I mean, while it is true that they do use demonology... It's science. It's science. They're, they're perfecting demonology as much as you can perfect demonology. We got to want to explore further what demonology means uh, within our system, which yeah. is basically like electricity from space. <laughs> I think it's probably the best way you can it, Yeah, it. it's, it's, it's like trying to use an AI mm. as ele- to power a lamp. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty close, I think, yeah. And so we got to sort of talk a bit more about null culture and whether like, we had um, like a null exploratory team inspire. We talked a little bit about the wars and stuff in, like, in, in New Jab. But we got to, like, if you've got, if you've got uh, null characters, we wanted to talk about like what their culture's like. And again, like we try to stick, like we really try to stay away from monoculture uh, in this. So yeah. this is the Nulls of Almarah. Even more so than that, this is the Nulls of Almarah who happen to be in the heart. Yes, like you're already a special kind of mad if you if you're in yeah. the heart, right? Yeah, this like this. This is not all gnolls. This is like this. The same. It isn't all all humans and all drow. But the gnolls that you've the gnolls you've got here are uh, scholars and scientists, explorers, explorers. Yeah, they've expressly broken into he- into their equivalent of heaven underneath their capital city to try and find like like a plug socket. Yeah, <laughs> just searching around <laughs> the dark for someone to charge their phone. <laughs> so they broke into heaven. <laughs> Yeah, people are people are really happy playing the Nulls. Uh People really seem to have, people seem to have grabbed onto it, and I think that we've we've given them a fair shake. Yeah, and it's really nice to hear reports of people playing stuff, and mm. you you read like a like a, a length of text of like all oh, this happened, all this happened, and then they list at the bottom they list the characters, and it's only mm. then that you find out that one of them's a Null, one of them's an elf, yeah. one of them's a drought, because it doesn't matter. Yeah, nobody cares that you that, that you have a hyena head. Mm. They've seen somebody who, who who to look at things has to open their mouth. <laughs> Today, serving they have them to, beer. They have to yell at things to find out where they are. You're right? Like, it's, yeah. they're, they're in a broken world. I don't care where you're from. I would also, like, and we're going to wrap up very soon, mm-hmm. but uh, I would like to I'd like to briefly reference uh, number 16 on the Null Trinket table, t- the tacky lenticular image of the Source Pyramid in Almorar. Mm-hmm. I don't know whether Americans have the word tacky. Is the word tacky? I hope so. Not, I, I don't mean sticky. Yes. I mean completely lacking style. It's nasty and cheap. Yeah, I really like the idea that you can get bad lenticular postcards in this world. That's the technology advanced to that stage. <laughs> but also, like, because one of the things we do in Heart is we make everything sad. Mm. Like, we, you can turn that around so quickly. The fact that this is something they stole while they were in Spire. Mm. Oh god, yeah, that's fun. I, because I, it reminds I them, them it's, it's all they've got that reminds them of home. No, I like that. But it's the elf. They're using elfir mm. money-making schemes and propaganda to remind them of mm. home and. You can create such great stories out of just a shit postcard. <laughs> so yes, heart is heart is a, a, a tragic a tragic tale of obsession and madness in the dark beneath the spire and light terrorism. Um, light 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 terrorism. Tourism. Yeah, light tourism. Light terrorism is in the source book, which we'll talk about later on. <laughs> and also spire. And also uh, spire's heavy terrorism. Listen, thank you very much for listening. We're going to wrap up now. Please look forward to the next episode where we'll get on to the callings and the classes. Oh yeah. You've been listening to the director's commentary podcast for Heart, The City Beneath. I was Grant Howitt, and I was joined by Christopher Taylor, and we wrote the Heart RPG. For more information on Heart and our other titles, go to rrdgames.com. Music